Hey y'all, this is Trent and I am part of No Walls Worship and this is part of No Walls Worship. It's the words part, at least the getting ready for the words part of No Walls Worship. And it occurs to me that someday we, we want to get John on here, right? I mean, he's the other part and it'd be cool to do some music here. Absolutely some music. Uh, <laughs> that would be interesting to see what we could pull off. And uh, so this is part of it and and you are part of it. Thanks for listening. Those that are uh, listening in, uh, it means a lot. Uh, it occurs to me that this is the last No Walls worship for 2018. Uh, tomorrow is December the 16th. To say it today is December the 15th. Today is Saturday. Tomorrow is Sunday, the third Sunday of the month. And then there are no more first and thirds until 2019. And then we'll get our rhythm going back again, first and third over at Crystal Creek Distillery. But uh, between that, between now and then is also Candles and Carols, which is Christmas Eve Eve. It's the third time, third annual Candles and Carols over at Angel's Ice House. And that's just a lovely evening all around. I mean, we get there early and then we sit and we get the equipment set up and then we have a meal and then we talk and visit and then we have a drink and then people start to come and we get to say hello and give hugs and then the music starts and we talk some more and we laugh and then I get to say a little bit of a little bit of words and then we do some more music and then some candles and carols and silent night and the lights go out and then we say hey it's time for Christmas and uh yeah, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah, I hope you'll join us. Um, I told you a little bit about what's going on. I, I've been, uh, <clears throat> if you've been listening, you know, I, I started looking at miracles, right? The the things that Jesus did. And uh, that's a bit of the message this time. Uh, it's a little strange. Uh, this one isn't really a standalone. This is kind of like an aside or a pause from... Uh, the previous message, the previous message, there was this part that I didn't really get to get into and I wanted to, and then I just kind of wanted to get back to some core things that I love. And, um, anyway, you'll, you'll, you'll see more of it, but, um, the, the miracles, right. I've been asking myself this question, what am I going to get out of this study of the miracles? And, question I've been asking as I study is how did Jesus want to impact people, right? What was the the thing he wanted to accomplish when he was doing these works? And so far, um, just a couple of these miracles in, the answer feels like, A, Jesus wanted to free people from um, their past, right? He wanted to set them free from past trauma, past affliction, um, so that they could be an encouragement in their community. And then um, with the one last week about the feeding of the 5,000, and then there was this whole thing about courage, right? Being bold and taking action. And so Jesus wants people to be bold and courageous in the face of adversity or in the face of not being sure what, if things are going to work out. And that feels cool, right? That, that that's what our religion is, is this Jesus that wants us to be free and wants us to be courageous, wants us to be bold. And that just feels all kinds of practical and helpful to me. So 
anyway, it's been, it's been a cool study so far. Um, but, uh, I'm going to get into the message this time. Uh, no more dallying or dillying and uh, we'll just do it. Uh, this one is called walking on water. And then I have in parentheses, uh, the one about baseball. Uh, so walking on water parentheses, the one about baseball. All right, let's do it. I grew up with baseball in my life. My my dad played, I played, my sister played softball. Um, she played softball for her high school, and my dad was the coach of her team, the high school softball team. And for away games, as an upper elementary student, I think fourth, fifth, maybe even into sixth grade, I would get to leave school early and go to the away games with my dad, uh, ride on the bus. And, uh, I got to ride on the bus with high school girls, <laughs> right? Sit, and I got to sit on the bench and my dad taught me how to keep score, you know, keep stats in a book. Uh, and so I was the official high school girls softball scorekeeper. Uh, <laughs> and it was amazing. So some of my best memories as a kid were playing catch in the yard with my dad. Even even if we were playing a simple game, just let's say hey, you want to get out and throw the ball, we'd work on things. He'd he'd hold his glove up high to the left and say uh, high uh, throw uh, glove side high, and then he would hold it up on the other side, his his arm side, and say throw it um, uh, arm side high. And then he'd go low and low, and then put his glove to his chest and say, throw it here. And we'd be working on location. And we even took vacations uh, around baseball and we bought movies around baseball too. When, when we went to New York uh, as a family, it was when the White Sox were in town to play the Yankees. When we were in, were in Boston and drove up to Ma uh, drove up to uh, Maine. We were there in Boston when the Chicago White Sox were in town. One year, my dad and I flew to Chicago. We caught a game in the city, and then we drove to Iowa so that we could see the Field of Dreams, where the field, that little farm in Iowa, where the movie was filmed. And and my dad had these movies. He had bought these movies that were were I, I'm sure they were fine, good movies. But my suspicion is that the only reason that we own them. The only reason he went out and purchased these movies because they had baseball in them. Uh, there, there was this one movie. It's called uh, Only the Lonely. It was a romantic comedy with John Candy. Uh, the the two leads in the movie they have a date, and the date is a picnic in center field at Comiskey Park, and Comiskey Park is where the Chicago White Sox play. Uh, and there's another. There was another movie we owned. It was called Somewhere in Time. I uh, had Christopher Reeve in this movie, and uh, it took place on Mackinac Island. And there was uh, the female character. I can't remember her name. She was Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. You'll you'll remember, I think. Um, and anyway, they were they were both in this movie, and it was a movie about time travel, a rom a kind of a romantic, sappy, great musical score movie about time travel, but. Uh, the reason I think we owned it is there's this scene where Superman himself, Christopher Reeve, is driving in a car, and in, on the radio, the the announcer on the radio calls out the score of a Chicago White Sox game. 
Um, so we had baseball. <laughs> I grew up with baseball in my life, and uh, I love the game. I do. And y'all, I, I know this is a little bit of a weird way to start uh, our time together. I mean, it's it's probably not as weird as talking about my skin tag, but I've been thinking a bunch this week about uh, desire and intention. Desire and intention. So one one way to think about that is the head and the heart, right? The desire, the things we want, the things we call into our life with our hearts, these things that are emotionally driven, and then intention, um, the things we call into call into our life with our head, with our with our heads, our our thoughts, our plans, our actions, our strategies. So I've been thinking a lot this week about desire and intention. Um, I, so I, I love baseball. Um, I've been fortunate to share this love of the game with my girls. Both my girls, Mia, she's 19 now, and Ella, she's 11. They played, they played slash play softball. And y'all, there, there, there's not been much in my life I have loved more than sharing the field with these two beautiful and smart and fun and driven girls. It's, uh, <laughs> I got a chance to get on the field with both of them this week. It was really, it was just the three of us and it's strange, but this hasn't happened a lot. You know, the 19 year old, the 11 year old, the distance in age, um, playing at different stages of their life. But uh, at any rate, it, it hasn't happened a lot. And it worked out almost by serendipity. Mia was getting a tire patched, and she had a couple hours to kill. And I was on my way with Ella to the field because I was going to hit her some balls. She had tryouts the next day. They laughed, and they had fun, and it was just, <laughs> y'all, it was a beautiful day. A couple things hit me about this day as I was was thinking about it after. One is that at 19 and even at 11, I mean, already, I believe that they, these two beautiful girls, are more gifted and better ball players than I ever was. And I'm realizing now that that's an unnecessary admission. There are no YouTube clips of my old games, and there are no stat sheets on my pitching performance from middle school. So correction, I was a badass. <laughs> I was dominant in the game. The Anyway, uh, <laughs> the second thing that occurred to me this day was that more than any other sport, baseball is a game of overcoming fear through desire and intention. Uh, Mia, the, the older of the two, she wanted to field some balls, so... I had Ella go cover first base, and then Mia went back to third base. And y'all, Mia is at best 55 feet away. Uh, I mean, 50, 60, I mean, very close. Um, if we were live, I would I would pick a spot and show you the distance. And I'm, I'm just hitting the ball as hard as I can at her. And she's not flinching. She's shuffling her feet. She's adjusting. She's scooping balls out of the dirt. She's throwing down some wicked backhands and y'all I was marveling I was marveling at this game this this 
<laughs> she has far closer to zero seconds than one second to make a decision on where to put her glove. It is almost automatic. It's almost subconscious. Yes, there's some intention involved. There's there's learning the technique. You you learn how to get your glove down to the dirt to the dirt and adjust up. You you learn how to engage faster on certain hops. But but y'all, I I believe ninety percent of it more is training your desire to catch the ball until that desire is stronger than the fear of getting hurt. Think about it, when, you, when you're in the outfield and you're tracking a ball, yes, there is footwork, and yes, there is glove positioning, but more than that, more than the angles, more than the speed, there is a desire to get to the ball, to see the ball hit the pocket of your glove that overrides this fear of running at full speed without watching where you are going while your eyes are up tracking the ball they say hitting a baseball at 90 plus miles per hour is one of the most difficult athletic accomplishments and y'all i think that's wrong i think it's not hitting a baseball i think it's hitting a softball the pitcher's much closer uh, and the ball's going all kinds of weird ways my girls go up there knowing that at best they're going to fail seven times out of ten. And yes, again, there is intention, right? There there are hitting lessons and there are there is learning to trust your legs first, swing swinging from your lower half instead of your upper half. That's counterintuitive, yes. But I but I believe even more than that, there is desire. There is the desire to smash one into the gap that pushes us past the fear of striking out, the fear of failing, the fear of looking silly in front of an onlooking crowd, the fear of letting down your team, those other 12 girls that are working through their intentions and desires too. So I've been thinking a lot about desire and intention the last few weeks. I think because it's the end of the year, uh, you see, I'm, I'm by nature a futuristic thinker. When, when I'm supposed to be preparing my heart for the Christmas season and just enjoying that, I'm, I'm generally thinking ahead. Right? I'm thinking ahead to the New Year's. Um, what I desire for my life, what I desire for my family, my relationships. And here's what I know about me. I'll, I'll set some New Year's resolutions that I won't keep. <laughs> but what I know is that if I can get my desires and my intentions right, if I can get my desires and my intentions in alignment, I believe God will bring those things into my life. Last week, we we had dug into this story about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, the the five loaves and the two fishes. And y'all... If you weren't here, there was this part of the story that I I didn't dive into because there was already so much to dive into. But you'll remember, or I'll catch you up, that that after the crowds had gone away, when the miracle was over, Jesus sent the disciples out ahead of him onto the boat. And later he, he came to them uh, out to the boat. And as the story goes, 
he was walking across the water. And they were, the disciples were understandably freaking out. <laughs> and the verse goes something like this. They, they were afraid because they really didn't understand what had happened. Y'all, they were afraid about what was happening because they didn't understand the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And we, we touched on this a bit last time, but what we didn't hit was that in the original translation, it, it says they didn't understand because their hearts were hardened. And it, it wasn't even they didn't understand. It just said their hearts were hardened, and that's why they were afraid. They were afraid because their hearts were hard. Now back to this, when, when you and I think of heart, we think of Valentine's Day, we think of love, we think of emotion, maybe even the the irrational, right? Follow your heart. This, this is the opposite of thinking with your head, of being rational, of being strategic. And so I think we can miss this, right? Because we think head and heart, we think separate in our metaphors. Because in the Hebrew mind, the mindset at the time was not a separation. The head and the heart metaphorically weren't these separate things. The heart was thought of as the command center of emotion, yes, but at the same time, the heart was also thought of as the seat of intelligence. So when I say my heart was hardened, both my intelligence, both my intellect, both my emotion, both my all of it is out of whack. These seemingly opposable concepts live together in the chest of the Hebrew mind. So I read that passage again and I read they were afraid because what was going on in their head and their heart was out of alignment. In the moment they were tired and their desire and intention got all kinds of wonky ways. They had a hard time understanding what was possible because their desire and intentions were out of order. And y'all, my intention here is not to make light of this idea because I think it's big, right, to, to get our desires and our intentions right. I don't want to make light of it with baseball, just a game. But I think it's illustrative because, y'all, there's something miraculous to me about how this love of the game gets passed down from father to son and son to daughter. And what I know is that my dad never sat down and plotted out a plan for influencing his granddaughters to be softball players. And I don't believe he ever set down a New Year's resolution to <laughs> make me love the socks or to get my game to a certain level. But I do believe my father had a desire to have baseball in his life. I believe he had intention to share the love of his game, love of the game with his children. And even more than that because because he had the desire, the intention just poured out of him. It spilled into the next generation and it makes me wonder if we can do this with a game, if we can do this with baseball, what else can we do with right desires 
and intention. There's another version of this story about Jesus walking on the water in the Bible. And in this version, one of Jesus's followers, Peter, sees Jesus out on the water and he's not afraid. And he walks out too on the water to meet Jesus on them. And and y'all, this is another one of those miracles where the physics of the thing never really interested me. Is it is it possible? <laughs> Did it really happen? Is there a right combination of water density and surface area of the feet to make it? The answer is I don't know. What interests me more in this story is the audacity of it, the boldness of this move that Peter makes. What interests me is this picture of Peter. He sees his friend, his leader, the man who turned him from a simple fisherman in a small town in the middle of nowhere into someone who was dramatically impacting people's lives in places he never dreamed he'd go. He sees Jesus out on the water, and before he put his first step onto the waves, before he walked out to the edge of the boat, before he started getting the what the heck are you doing (laughs) stares from his buddies, even before he stood up to move. There, deep inside of Peter, was a want, a desire to go, to be out there with his friend. It started with desire, And then that desire moved Peter with intention. Y'all, here's my prayer for us. As you plan out your new year, as you pray, as you contemplate, as you meditate, as you sit down with a number two pencil and a yellow legal pad to list out the things you want for 2019, May we start by checking our desires. May we start by looking deeply at what we want most. Examine our desires and intentions. And y'all, here's what I know. If we align those things right, if we get our heads and our hearts in order, align our desires to our natural gifts and to the things that will bring good into the world, and to those we care about, those wants and those desires will come to you. I know it. I've been thinking a lot this last couple weeks about desire and intention. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you soon.